This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim? To make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith. Dan and Lisa have been in Cameroon for the last 25 years. After years of being involved in a Bible translation project, Dan became field director in 2017. He has since become the area director for World Team Africa, and Lisa has taken over the role of field director in Cameroon. In this episode, Dan and Lisa share stories of how God is working in Cameroon, the creative teams that are bringing the gospel to the unreached, ways that you can be praying for World Team Cameroon, and more. Dan, you're the area director. Lisa, you're the field director. How do you have time to do those things in addition to your primary responsibilities? What is an average day like for you and your team, Lisa? Lately, it has been super busy because, yeah, it is a challenge. I'm currently also teaching at Rainforest International School, which is next door and very short on teachers. And our son is attending there. So we, being that we are close, it seemed that I could help out. But that has meant, uh, yeah, a lot of busyness because during the daytime, I'm dealing with school issues. And then in the evenings, I'm dealing with field director issues and in between classes, I'm getting and answering emails uh, from the field, and uh, we got people coming and going and arranging the logistics of that. Thankfully, a lot of the logistical side of making sure people's cars are running and that their finances are in order, Dan has been handling a lot of that, taking that off of me, but uh, just keeping up with how are, how are my people doing and uh, you know where do they need help and uh, those kind of things, yeah, is being kind of stuck in between a lot of other things. So it has definitely been busy of late. We could use some people to do some of the practical things like teach at RFIS, perhaps an administrative assistant to handle some of the just smaller logistical kinds of things. Because yeah, we're keeping very busy. Broadly, our role is leadership, you know, and so that comes into lots of different things as well for myself. So I'm also now serving as the, um, the International School Board Chairman, and, you know, we're dealing with, you know, a shortage of staff, uh, declining enrollment uh, with the shrinking missionary community. So what, how does that impact the future of the school and also then declining finances with that? So that's a major issue we're kind of diving, going to do a deep dive on this year, and I'm leading that as chair. We also, um, because of our long-term presence here in Cameroon, we've developed relationships with national leaders too. So I'm mentoring for Cameroonian missionaries who come out of the national church we partner with to help them to, um, to navigate the challenges of being a missionary. So the national church has lots of experience planting churches in near locations near where they've already been established, but they're now got 40 some people that are going out to reach out and plant new churches in areas where their denomination isn't known. And that brings a whole set of issues and challenges that are associated with missions. How do we raise our children in a culture that is very, you know, 
different from the one where we grew up in is you know one of the questions they asked. So we we had an opportunity together to do a marriage seminar with the national missionaries and their wives to talk you know about how to strengthen their their marriages and handle some of the issues of family that come up there. Um, and we also, our heart is, you know, still connected to the work with the Oroco people that we were a part of for, you know, a solid 20 years. And there's another organization coming in to help them, but that hasn't always gone 100% smoothly. So trying to navigate the challenges with that, how to encourage and advise at an appropriate level. So that's, that's another aspect of the work that doesn't always get as much time as we would like but is is still something we want to see the 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 work we did there have long-lasting fruit cameroon is one of our larger teams in world team i know that you are doing some creative and innovative things to meet the heartfelt needs of the people that you're serving can you talk a little bit about a couple of those teams and what they're doing that is a bit of a different approach to ministry our baka team is our largest team and they are bringing a holistic approach because the Baca um, really are kind of a look down on group without a lot of resources here in Cameroon. So we've had Rita as a doctor and Jen as a nurse serving there for many years. Rita has just wrapped up her time here in Cameroon, although we're expecting a few visits in the future. But providing some, helping with some of their physical needs as a way to build relationships and simply help them and show God's love. Another fellow, John, uh, has been helping and assisting with a training camp or training center where we're putting together uh, different agricultural plots to show different ways to grow different kinds of things to help help them uh, care for their families a little bit better. So definitely some uh, helps on the physical side. While we have other teammates who are doing more traditional church planning and discipleship um, and included in that is, um, has been oral Bible storying. And so now we've just added the piece where we've added translators to the team um, who will be working on the written translation. So the Baca is definitely our most diverse and largest team. We're now in uh, three different locations. And at the third one, there's a, a lady uh, who is doing literacy work. Our full bay team, we had long serving missionaries there doing church planning who left a couple of years ago, which is how we ended up with only one single gal there because she was also there with them. <laughs> um, and she's doing children's, primarily children's ministry. And we would like to bring along someone who can equip believers from the background. Um, as a Muslim group and in a area where in some ways, it'd be better for us to train from behind and then let the believers um, do the majority of the actual outreach. Um, we could use people who are willing to kind of equip from behind. Then we have another doing translation and literacy work among the Bakum, as well as uh, discipleship classes and, um, and working alongside a local church pastor to begin some uh, what you would think more church planning type work. There is a church there, at least one, but there's a lot of villages without an effective witness within that people group. And then the, we have another, the Asimbi is a, a people group we've been working in for years and years. And then at one point we handed it off to a national organization. And then Brad and Kathy came back to assist with literacy and linguistic support to help them as the New Testament is coming to 
it's at the publishers. And um, so they've been trying to help with some of the linguistic details of making sure getting rid of some of the mistakes in the text as well as planning and laying groundwork for literacy. Then we have Roco. some well, Roco, which we were in along with for many years, Mike and Becky who are no longer on the field, but still within World Team, where the translation has been completed and we'd like to see the scriptures used and um, put into place. We cannot physically go uh, to the Oroco area yet because of the, the civil unrest. Um, in addition, we have some support people. The, um, we have a gal helping at the MK school here, the primary MK school in the capital. And um, we've got another tutor on the way for one of our families. I think that's most of our teams right now. So yeah, we have quite a variety. We have some Muslim work and we'd like to expand that. We have um, some tribal ministry, then we have some support work here in the capital. Uh, John Castley probably mentioned this because I know he was visiting there. Uh, he is also working uh, with one of the uh, full bay um, background believers um, to help him to do some farm work uh, for income producing uh, to basically do a uh, watermelon patch to try and bring some additional income to his family. Um, the, the full bay people are across a wide swath of Africa. They go all the way out to Senegal in the far west and um, Cameroon is toward the eastern edge of it, but there is some there are some Fulbe in Central African Republic immediately to our east and Central African Republic has been through a whole series of, of uh, civil wars, coups and, and such over the last few decades. And so there's been, the last one created this huge influx of refugees Cameroon. into Cameroon, most of whom were Fulani who used to be cow herders and their herds were just slaughtered by, by machine gun toting militants. And so they ended up coming over without any real livelihood. And so there's opportunity there to also bring in um, some, some help to help them figure out how to farm, you know, which is a lower threshold to get into than, than cattle ranching. So um, there's there's more opportunity there as well, but John is is helping a little bit with one particular um, um, believer that uh, we're connected with. Imagine for a moment that over the past decades of your involvement in Cameroon, you've kept a prayer journal and written down prayer requests. As you look in that prayer journal, what are some of the answers to prayer that you have experienced? Well, he he provided for us to stay long enough to to uh, help the Oroco people have a New Testament and the book of Genesis in their language. Civil war broke out just as we were finishing that, but we were able to complete it. And God's word can go back in even where we can't. So that's a huge prayer, uh, answer to prayer, something that he did. The way he has brought new people to our Baca team uh, has been exciting. We have people coming to translate God's word into Baca. Up to this point, they've been doing oral Bible stories, which is good, but they're learning the set of stories we have, and we want to see the complete New Testament done. Brought people to reach out to the Kwakum and get a translation project and literacy going there. 
He's been very good about providing us with tutors for some of our families who are homeschooling. But if a tutor can come alongside their kids and help with schooling, then they can put more time into language learning and getting their ministry started. So those have been some of the things that have been exciting to see God answer prayers. That and just keeping our people on the field. We have a lot of long-termers who've been through some pretty tough stuff, but God has provided the, what they've needed to stay resilient enough to still be here. I would say one of the lessons that I learned very early on in our time, but is continued to see is how much we are joining into work that God has already established, where he already has his people, other people from other missions, from the nationals and so on, that he's also working in their hearts and to just try and be faithful to kind of, I don't know, in a way, keep up with what he's already got going and find, you know, the role that we can play in that to encourage others to, you know, become more Christ-like, to do the work that God has called them to do uh, more effectively, and so on. Like our translation team, we had a really solid group of guys, and, you know, I remember 25 years ago, you know, gathering around to pray with our teammates that God would lead us to those that he had ordained to be part of this translation program, and, and we really saw that. So many times, you know, provide, even providing for our uh, physical needs, uh, our financial needs, you know, early on, we, we needed a vehicle. We were just a few thousand dollars short. We put out a request and in a matter of two weeks, you know, somebody jumped on it and it's like, I just had a banner year. I was looking for a place to, you know, share these funds with. And um, I'm more than happy to help you guys finish out the purchase price. You know, and that's just one of many stories that, you know, I, I tell people like we, we raised our support 20, more than 25 years ago now. We were cleared for the field in, I guess, early 1995. We've never had to, you know, extend a furlough to say that, you know, oh, we're short funds and you need to do a little bit more fundraising. It's always been there. And like our support needs are literally double of what we needed when back almost, you know, over 25 years ago. And yet, God has just continually supplied that through the contacts we've made along the way. So that's just a huge testament to his provision. Whenever we pray, God either says yes, no, or not now. What are some of the things that you've prayed for that God, in his wisdom, did not give you the answer you were looking for or expected? I think Lisa touched on on one is that, you know, we, we did complete the, you know, the written New Testament Genesis with our translation team. But even as we were doing that with them, you know, we had told them that, you know, the goal isn't just to have a book at the end. We want to see, you know, God move and, and um, bring more people to him through the church and through the use of these scriptures. And um, that piece, we, we kind of we, we don't understand all in God's wisdom how that happened, but, you know, we, we couldn't even attend the, the dedication for that New Testament because uh, the insecurity in the area and that security was insecurity was high enough that, you know, there could not be broad distribution and promotion of the scriptures that were available because people were simply too afraid to travel around to villages where that were not their own. Because anybody, you know, traveling was immediately a spy for one side or the other in the in the uh, 
um, civil unrest that was sweeping through the area. Things are starting to settle down and there's you know, a, a few more possibilities of things, some things moving ahead. So for example, uh, the language committee was invited to um, do some training on how to make use of the GSIS film, which is also a bit available in Oroco. And uh, that training is supposed to happen sometime before the end of the year so that they can do some public showings and, and um, you know, begin to use some of the materials that we worked for 20 years to help develop. So that, that feels like a bit of a, a no or a not yet. Um, or at least not for us. Or not for us, you know. And so um, we're still watching and waiting to see how God will, will uh, use the materials we, we uh, did. The other aspect of that, though, is you know we were very intentional about trying to also just build into people, not just written or audio or visual materials. And you know we've had a big, big impact on a number of people's lives, and um, they in turn are are doing great things in the churches where where they're serving. And you know I know two or three of the translators have introduced me to their friends as this is my mentor to sharing how they wouldn't be where they were unless, you know, except for their interactions with, with us. And so that's that's a piece of the puzzle that, you know, I, I, can't, I can't say precisely what their life would have been without us. You know, that's a, that's a question that nobody can answer for any situation, right? What would have happened if such and such hadn't happened? But I do know that they've appreciated the involvement that we've had in their lives. Another no, I guess, would be requests for, or at least maybe a not yet, would be requests for personnel to, you know, that God would send people into certain areas. Um, we had always hoped there would be church planners join our team of Bible translators, but that didn't happen. Right now, one that I pray is still just a not yet is uh, we have with our full bay ministry to back Muslim background believers, we have one single gal working. She's the only one. We really want a team to come around her and join her, but we've been praying for that for a while. And so, you know, it's like, okay, God, now, anytime now. <laughs> uh, so that would be, I, I hope still just a not yet as opposed to a no, but we'll see. What are some of the prayer requests that you have beyond those that you have mentioned that you could share with our audience? Yeah, besides personnel for the full bay team and RFIS, we still need some pioneering types to go into a couple new areas. We've identified that these are very, if not unreached, then least reached people that don't, do not understand the gospel that we'd like to go into. So we need some people who are willing to kind of start new ministries in a fairly inconvenient places. That would be one of the uh, big requests. Current request right now we have, um, our BACA team has been growing and expanding, which is super exciting. And Carrie and Shark from uh, World Team Global are out here to do what they're calling a residency to come alongside um, our team and uh, do some training in different team dynamics and leadership skills and strategizing and things. And uh, with some long-term members of the team and some new people and everything. It's a good time for God to be at work informing, you know, what's our strategy moving forward? How can we put the everybody's gifts into the best use here and work together in a unified way going forward? 
So it's exciting to have them out here helping us with that. And that's just a big praise, but a prayer request that the teaching they bring is implemented well and will result in a more uh, effective uh, ministry to the Baca. I can't imagine the challenges you face ministering there in Cameroon. What are some of the major challenges that you are experiencing with your work there? Some of the ministries like Baca are just hard. There's a lot of darkness and physical difficulties, not just logistically in how we as missionaries have to live, but in seeing Baca people get sick and die or remain in addiction to alcohol. And you think they're making progress and they slide back. Um, it's just emotionally draining. Um, and so that's just a super big challenge to, to build into our missionaries the resilience and dependence on God that they can survive and thrive in those kind of situations. So that's just an ongoing challenge. And for example, our, our young lady working with the Full Bay, uh, working with children's ministry, she doesn't have a lot of teammates anywhere near her. And just logistically, she's nine hours away from the rest of us. And she's working with national believers, but that's just kind of a lonely place to be, a kind of place to hard to stay encouraged and keep yourself going when you don't have a team around you. So those are some pretty big challenges we're, we're facing right now. You talked about how hard it is in your ministry, but you have a large group of partners that have been with you for 25 years. How can we encourage you in the hard places, whether it's the world team staff or your partners? Yeah, I think a lot of it is uh, just listening well, praying. I especially feel for our medical workers. When they see a patient come, especially the children who come and they have, you know, an ailment, maybe an infection or something, and they're given the medicine, they're given instructions on how to take the medicine. But they, they go back home and they don't even bother to follow through, you know, with their own child. And, you know, then three days later, suddenly word comes that this child died and they'll go and they'll find that, you know, the medicine wasn't even taken. Um, and that's just really, really hard for people who's, you know, who have gone into medical care because they have a heart to see people, you know, thrive and, and to get well. And then to see their advice just basically thrown away. And so, you know, and those, those things, just being, listening to people's stories, continuing to pray for them is just a big encouragement because that can just feel very lonely and daunting. So don't, don't underestimate those, those personal connections and such. You know, it's hard to explain or, or to do much about the, the potholes and the roads and, you know, the heat, the the heat and the, <laughs> you know, the, the ant infestation or the leaky roof or, or whatever. These things, it's just part of living in the tropics. And those that have, have us have been here a while, we just kind of like, huh, oh, well, here, here's another physical challenge. Uh, those, those are wearing in their own way, but it's, it's the, you know, are we making a difference kind of questions. Um, it's, you know, are people's lives being improved with, because of our presence here? Those, those are sometimes harder to see. And I know there's, there's, you know, I've got a, a mentor who's a, a veteran world teamer and, and I talk with him once a month and just the perspective he gives me on him being able to feed back to me all the things that have happened since I talked to him last time is just encouraging, right? And I kind of get, sometimes get lost in the issues of the moment. 
and I forget what has transpired, you know, and so many takes me back to, you know, you realize, you know, three, four years ago when we started talking, how much, how much has happened since then and how much you've grown and, and how much you're impacting those around you. That's really encouraging feedback to get. Yeah, and having, you know, mentors or accountability partners or even just prayer partners that you meet with regularly, people who are willing to serve in those ways can be a huge in encouragement. I have a couple ladies um, from, uh, from my small group back in the US from years ago, but that we've remained friends that we get together once a, a month and have a Zoom call. And even though the problems they're facing are, are different than mine, there's still a lot of similarities. We all have kids, we all have marriages, we all have <laughs> struggles. And to just have that person to talk to for a while is huge. So those are ways that people can get involved because you know there's times we think of maybe short-term teams or things like that. But for a variety of reasons, those are not always the most helpful. Sometimes they can be. But, but yeah, personal people who are willing to invest in you through prayer and encouragement, that can be a, just a huge contribution. One of the strengths of uh, Western culture is we like to problem solve. And that often you know, includes finances or physical helps and such. What we've seen here after you know, 25 years is the things that really make a difference is when people's hearts change. You, you can dump a lot of money onto an individual or a community or a situation and not change a single thing unless people's hearts are changed. You know? And that's why we're in a gospel ministry. That's why we're not just there as an aid organization. But it also makes it challenging to, you know, like the short-term teams or, or like our kind of go-to reaction as, as North Americans is to say, you know, how could we throw some more money or resources or, or, or what at this? But we, we really need relationships. You know, we need relationships with, with, other, with supporters to encourage us. We need better relationships with nationals. We need relationships to the people we're reaching out to. And we need that relationship with, with Jesus Christ ourselves. And then also to introduce uh, others to that relationship with Christ, which can bring that life changing, you know, that is needed. And we've seen that, you know, and it's been interesting. We've been, we've been here a long time. I, I visited the Baca for the first time in 1994, you know, so what's that, you know, 28 years ago. And there's, there's a few people now that Christ has really entered their heart and they are different. They are different at a very fundamental level and they approach everything differently. I could, I could have a million US dollars and throw it at you know, the Baca people and they would be just as broken after that. But when Christ enters their hearts, they become different people. And that is, there is just so much baggage for some people that that's a hard, hard road for many of them, but our hope and prayer is that they will make that change. And those that have, the few that, those, the handful of people that are starting to make that change, you know, they are living a different kind of life. And it's crazy to think of it this way, but you know, some of those people, they're making that change because when they were kids, they saw how the missionaries were living. And it took 20 years of watching missionaries and how they were different 
before some of these for some of this fruit is starting to bear. Is there a word or idea in our gospel message for which there is no equivalent in their heart language? Yeah, many of these languages lack the word hope. It's a tough concept because it's it's not physical, right? We we have Hebrews 11, you know, the, the hope is, you know, faith in the unseen or whatever. I'm doing a poor job of, of <laughs> paraphrasing that, but it's, you know, it's a belief in something that you cannot see. And uh, when there's so many physical and immediate problems all around you, yeah, a lot of the groups, you know, that we're working with lack hope, just simple, basic hope that, you know, I would say, you know, the, the, the Muslims, you know, have a sense of, of belief in God, you know, and a higher power and everything. But I think even there, you know, there, there's this lack of, of assurance of what is to come. You know, they don't know that they're good enough to, to enter into their, you know, uh, their religion's view of eternity. But I know for the Oroko, we, that was our last key term that we came up with something you know, to try and capture the idea of hope. And I was just talking with our, our one of our Baca translators the other day, and he too was saying, you know, like, how, how do you, how do you explain hope? Like, there is no word for hope in Baca. And you see it, you see the, you see how people live, they, they live a hopeless existence, they, they, they get a few dollars, and they just spend it immediately, because they have no idea what tomorrow will bring. And so their, their, their very existence just ekes up, you know, reeks of a lack of hope. The only place it begins to come, I think, is when they finally understand what Christ has done for them and that he loves them. Then the concept of hope begins. Um, and until then, there, there's no really convincing somebody that things could be better. So yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing to demonstrate, but... It, the gospel comes first. The Holy Spirit is the one that finally brings hope, I think. To learn more about World Team's ministry opportunities, go to us.worldteam.org and click Go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from World Team workers, click Pray. To give to World Team's ministries, click Donate. This has been Acts of Faith, a podcast by World Team U.S. For more information on World Team and its ministries, visit us.worldteam.org. Music